Welcome to Central Coast Voices, a program addressing the ramifications of change in our communities and beyond, and how today's choices will impact tomorrow's community. This program is a project of Action for Healthy Communities and is provided in collaboration with KCBX and the Community Foundation of San Luis Obispo County. Today's host, Mario Espinosa Kulik, speaks with guests from the County of San Luis Obispo Public Health Department as they celebrate their 100th anniversary, protecting public health here on the Central Coast. We invite you to listen, learn, and participate in our conversation today on Thursday, live between 1 and 2 o'clock. Call in and be part of the discussion today at 805-781-3875 or email your questions to voices at kcbx.org. Now, let's join Mario and his guests. Over to you, Mario. Thanks, Brad. Good afternoon and welcome, everyone. My name is Mario Spinoza Kulik, and you're listening to Central Coast Voices on KCBX. Today, we are joined by esteemed guests from the County of San Luis Obispo Public Health Department who are celebrating their 100th anniversary of advancing public health initiatives on the Central Coast. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. If you'd like to join in and ask a question of our guests, you can call 805-781-3875 or email your questions to voices at kcbx.org. And the two guests with me today are Dr. Penny Borenstein, Health Officer and Public Health Director, and Pete Haig, Director of Environmental Health Services. Welcome, Dr. Borenstein, and welcome, Pete. Thank Thank you. Thank you for having us. Of course, and congratulations to those 100 years of public health in San Luis Obispo County. That's such an accomplishment um, in terms of our longevity of keeping our communities safe and healthy. And before we may dive into our main topic, I want our listeners to get to know you both a little bit better. So if, if we could start with you, Dr. Bornstein, if you could please tell us a bit about your background and how you came to be in your role in the county. Yeah, so I was a real outlier in medical school. Um, I'm the first one who went into public health for my medical school. I did electives at the county health department way back when. I did international health and this had never been done before. So I like to think that uh, I was a bit of a pioneer. Uh, But nowadays, lots of med students take on public health um, assignments or elective rotations in their medical school um, or through other um, masters of public health programs, et cetera. Uh, How I came to be here is by way of New York originally and then Baltimore, Maryland for quite a few years and then uh, moved for this job to San Luis Obispo to be the county health officer. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, And and what inspired you to make that move from uh, in medical school to be the first to become a public health official? Well, quite frankly, I had friends um, when I was in Baltimore who went to public health school, and I used to have lunch over on the other side of the street, literally, from the hospital where I was working in a genetics lab. Um, I was going to do research, and by way of hearing them talk about all the exciting things that were going on in public health, I changed my career trajectory. Awesome. And I believe we're lucky to to have you in, in, in this work, especially here in our county. Pete? What would you like to tell us about yourself? Well, I've been a resident here in uh, Slow County since about 2005. Um, and prior to working at the county, starting in 2006, I did uh, many years in environmental consulting. Um, and then I was kind of intrigued with the county. Um, 
and took a position with the Environmental Health Services as an inspector. I did a little bit of time doing food inspections, but after that, mostly hazmat inspections, which kind of dovetailed with the end of my career as an environmental consultant. We, we saw lots of areas where we're doing assessments um, uh, for hazardous waste contamination. And here in my position with the county as a hazmat inspector, we tried to be ahead of that curve, trying to prevent that kind of things from happening. So I thought it was uh, neat to be a little more proactive in a career than uh, reactive in trying to address situations that um, uh, kind of occurred from our past uh, collective behaviors. Yeah. Well, can you tell us a little bit about the work that environmental health does in within public health? Sure. It's pretty wide-ranging. Um, we have a staff of about, uh, about 25 folks, um, many of which are inspectors. We inspect restaurant operations and even the constructions of restaurant, uh, body art businesses, uh, pools and spas, including at hotels, facilities that have uh, hazardous materials and generate has waste, including gas stations. Uh, we look at small water systems to ensure w- good water quality is coming out and serving um, smaller systems. Uh, we sample ocean water for certain bacteria. And we also look at uh, water system cross-connection devices so that when good water is flowing into a large building, it's not, contaminated water will not flow out of it and into our community water system. Uh, in addition, we also participate with the County Hazardous Incident Response Team and also, we work closely with the utility uh, for Diablo Canyon emergencies, which fortunately have only been drills, and not reality. And uh, in terms of the way to become a, a worker or a specialist in environmental health, is wh- who, who, who uh, pursues that career? How do you become somebody like you? Right. There are some colleges that have an environmental health degree. Uh, Cal State Northridge comes to mind immediately. Um, But the inspector level position is vetted by California Department of Public Health. And they will look at your college transcripts to make sure that um, it's very heavily weighted to the sciences and meets certain criteria, including basic biology, chemistry, physics, and microbiology. Um, Once the state has assessed that you can enter into a trainee uh, position, then you can apply to the county for uh, work as an environmental health specialist. Awesome. And Dr. Bornstein, in terms of public health work, uh, what, what do you typically look for in, in the people who are, um, who are emerging as public health professionals? So one thing I can say about the public health universe and especially at the public health department is it's very diverse. Um, So we have, as you heard, environmental health specialists, um, but we have nurses. We have physical therapists. We have people with study in public health. We have health education specialists. We have emergency medical services specialists, laboratorians, microbiologists. So um, there's so much that we do that it's really widespread. And then undergirding and supporting all of that um, are people who are our front line, front desk support, administrative assistance, public health aides, helping with clinics. So it really is quite a variety of people that we employ. Yeah. And in your perspective, how has public health evolved over the course of your career? Um, 
That's an interesting question. In some ways, I'd like to say it hasn't. Um, you know, some of the same things that the public health department was doing when it was founded in the 1920s um, are still programs here today. Uh, one, for instance, is what used to be called the Crippled Children's Program is now called the California Child. Chi- California Children's Services Program, um, and it helps individuals from birth to 21 uh, who have disabilities, um, mostly physical disabilities, advance their capabilities. Um, Vaccinations started in the 1940s. Um, Obviously, we still do a lot of that today. Um, But what has changed is really um, our outreach and education is really prominent in what we do nowadays. Um, we've expanded our testing capabilities in the laboratory. Um, as I mentioned, emergency medical services is a somewhat newer part. Um, that's oversight of the ambulance system in our county, um, helping people get medical insurance. Uh, some of these things are newer to our universe. Thanks for sharing. We're, and I want to know what a day um, looks like in terms of the work that you do. So if we could start with you, Pete. Um, what aspects of your daily work are resonate with you the most? What resonated with me um, and still does is the inspector spent a lot of time out in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, to kind of echo what Penny just said, um, we're now moving from being reactive to more proactive. So we spend more time out in the community. Most of the individuals we encounter are trying to do the right thing. Um, Oftentimes, they're just not sure what it is. We spend a lot of time with business regulations, uh, but they're based uh, for a great deal in in maintaining public health, even in environmental health. Um, Food inspections, we're out making sure that folks are – preparing the food that the public is going to consume during the course of the day in a safer manner than maybe they would if we weren't there. Uh, there's, there's an effect of us just being there that um, well, people can then learn from and then kind of help ensure the, the safety of the community as a whole. Yeah. And I know there's a lot that happens in public health overall. Dr. Bornstein, can you walk us through what a day might look like for you? I love that question. Every day I come home from work and my high school daughter says, how was your day? And I say it was filled with a lot of meetings and a lot of email. Um, But I think within that um, is a lot of planning, a lot of policy development, collaboration, um, you know, just really looking ahead to what our next – action is going to be. So it really does take place in rooms or nowadays on Zoom, um, but it, it's bringing together all of the appropriate players to make decisions. Yeah. Are there any um, uh, new programs or things that we should look out for in the community? Hmm. Um, <laughs> that was a stumper. New programs. So um, – Relatively new uh, is our oral health program. Uh, We've been focusing on oral health for quite a while, but is really trying to get more dentists in the community to accept Dentical or Mm. Medical. That's an area that 
children especially have really struggled with is getting access to dental care. And so that's one area um, that we've really tried to put some energy into. Another area that is brand new for us is really looking at seniors. Um, We had a fall prevention program for the last few years. Um, One of the major killers for adults are ground-level falls. Um, We're also now adding a Healthy Brain Initiative, which in part is going to really focus on Alzheimer's, um, that adults – that there actually is some prevention that can be done in that arena, and that's, of course, public health is all about prevention. That's awesome. For you, Pete, if you don't mind in defining environmental health for us, listeners, um, I know it's really broad. You've talked about the things that they do, but if you could let us know what what actually is environmental health. Right. It's really the environment that we encounter as human beings. So it is it is the food we consume, the water we drink, the chemicals we hopefully are not being exposed to, the kind of control of that. Um, that's essentially our community. Uh, we do uh, respond to complaints from the community for, for issues like that, including um, solid waste at times. So it's just kind of the human community rather than the like, the environment um, mm. per se, like my past life as a marine biologist, that is kind of a different perspective. It's more focused on the human aspect of it. Yeah, how humans interact with the environment. Exactly. Amazing. I'm Mario Espinosa-Kulik with you for Central Coast Voices on KCBX, your Central Coast listener-supported radio station. As we continue on Central Coast Voices, our guests today from the County of San Luis Obispo are Dr. Penny Bornstein, Health Officer and Public Health Director, Pete Haig, Director of Environmental Health Services. We've been getting to know them a little bit more and hearing about the work that they do in our community. And thanks again, both of you, for sharing. In this next section, I'm looking forward to hearing more about your work in public health and environmental health in San Luis Obispo County and the region overall. We do invite our listeners to bring your questions or comments about today's topics to our guests. To do that, call 805-781-3875, or you can email your questions to voices at kcbx.org. For this first question, Dr. Bornstein, can you highlight a few key achievements of the department that have significantly impacted the community? Well, I can't go without talking about COVID. Mm. So certainly that was an overwhelming and dramatic response that our department undertook with respect to helping the community understand what COVID was and what the um, types of health impacts it would have, making um, contact tracing available to help people in avoiding further downstream transmission, uh, vaccinations, data making available on a website so that people could see what was going on in our community. That, you know, so COVID in general has been a huge response for us in the last few years. Um, People think that's the main thing we do um, is immunizations, but there have been throughout my career many different responses to big um, diseases that have come up. I think back to West Nile virus, Lyme disease, Zika, um, 
you know, it is sort of never a year goes by without something dramatic coming up that we have to respond to. And as you heard Pete say, we, we try to find the proper balance between being responsive to those things that come our way as well as being proactive, though, in especially our outreach and education to the community. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of the the decades long history of public health in San Luis Obispo, um, are there any notable milestones that you want to share with us today? Uh, as I said, the you know we're talking about a hundred years, so mm-hmm. over that period of time, there has been an awful lot. Uh, some of them in Pete's arena and environmental health, air pollution. Uh, the first. Um, time that smog was really noted. People thought it was a chemical attack mm-hmm. in um, our community. Um, polio was a real um, win when we developed the vaccine and we had the first iron lung delivered by the California Highway Patrol to our county. Uh, just moving into our new building, um, that was happened in 1952, and uh, some of the same issues that we're dealing with now were really prominent then, parking and space for employees, um, but many, many other things that have happened over the decades, um, HIV, uh, syphilis being um, then and now a huge um infectious disease for us to confront and try to reduce. How about you, Pete? Anything you'd like to share about the, uh, any achievements or environmental health services milestones? Yeah, when I started, um, it was a, it was a fairly mature program, environmental health. Um, but, um, within that hundred year timeframe of public health in Slow County, um, the, what was called the restaurant sanitation program was started back in 1934. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the first registered sanitarian in California was in 1946. So we have a long history um, of performing these types of activities uh, in environmental health. And, you know, currently uh, we inspect about 2,700 food facilities um, each year on Mm -hmm. average. And we can, discover about 900 critical violations um, by the inspectors can discover these um, throughout a year as well, too, kind of on average. I've looked at some of our data. Um, We also have the authority in um, the hazardous materials world uh, based by the state of California. We're -hmm. we're called the Certified Unified Program Agency. So we answer to a variety of state agencies that um, designed to be – kind of enforced at the local level. Um, so we uh, have been had that COOP authority since about 1997, and we inspect over 1,200 hazmat facilities annually. Wow. And in and, and all of the history of public health that we've been, um, or you've been learning about uh, or been involved with, is there something that surprised you from, from the decades-long history of public health? So I would say that people always think that it's us at the public health department that are providing services and information to the community. But many a time it goes in the opposite direction. The community will bring up issues of concern. They will have great ideas about how we should respond. Um, So it's important to listen and Mm -hmm. to be part of the community, not just a director. 
I hear that. And what, anything surprised you, Pete? Well, I worked for about 20 years uh, in the private sector before I went into the public sector, public service with environmental health. And what surprised me is how little I knew mm-hmm. about public health in the private sector. Uh, you know, I was fortunate, I was young and as healthy. Um, but, you know, seeing what we do in environmental health and also being as part of public health um, is the amount of service that the folks do and, and how engaged people are. Uh, oftentimes, you know, transparent to the general community, but really a lot of hard work, a lot of dedication um, going into helping protect and public has, health. Has that always been the case with um, with the work that's done in public health where the community kind of informs that work? Or is there a point in time where we started to see it uh, move in that direction? Well, I think certainly the way we communicate now has brought about changes. So with social media and other venues of communication, we've been able to hear from more people. Um, I think I think that's true throughout society over the last 100, 200, 300 years in America mm-hmm. that um, we just have a lot more dialogue with our community members. Yeah. And in, in that dialogue, are there any common questions that you receive in, in your work in public health or in environmental health? Um, so I think as much as we do want to hear from people, sometimes um, – individuals don't have all their information at hand and sometimes we have to convey back that we don't you know we we hear you but we can't necessarily go in that direction mm-hmm. you hear that um and then what about you Pete? In, in environmental health what are the um questions that people ask about about the work you do well, like I said earlier, most people want to do the right thing. So we get a lot of questions about how do we do this, mm-hmm. whether it's you know, building a restaurant or coming up with a new process uh, of, of, um, of making something and it might move into the hazmat regulation world. Um, and I also like to think of us, well, I've, I've kind of offhandedly described us as the county's Google. You know, we're our environmental health. So everyone will ask us questions that – I, I wish I had the ability to address uh, in my current position. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do get a lot of questions about you know, the safety of, uh, of restaurants. We do have a website that you can look that information up now. Um, and we do get questions about beach water quality, especially during these winter months when we get a lot of runoff from, from the land hitting the water. Um, and one thing I wish I had a little bit more authority on is, is – um, substandard housing. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of questions about mold and what do we do with that? And we have to direct them to resources and to more commercial businesses that address that kind of issue. I wish I had more capability to deal with that. um, Dr. Barnstein, are there any opportunities um, or what would you say the opportunities are for the public to engage with these like uh, policy initiatives and, and other public health programs? So we have undertaken in the last few years an initiative, an overarching program, not quite sure what to call it. We call it Slow Health Counts, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of the um, successor to our health commission. So individuals in the community can still make their 
needs and their opinions known. We just did a survey to the community to inform our community health assessment, which we do every five years to um, provide data and health indicators for the community. We we hoped for 300 responses and we got nearly 4,000. So we were very pleased about that. Um, in addition to survey responses, uh, again, people can communicate with us in all the ways possible. I know you're going to mention that. But um, uh, we also always looking for community members to join our ranks, our Slow Health Count Steering Committee. Um, yeah, I'd leave it there. Amazing. We're going to take a short break to hear from our team, and we'll be right back on Central Coast Voices. I'm Brad Kyle with this item from the KCBX Community Calendar. The Slow Master Chorale is presenting its holiday festival on Saturday, December 16th at 7.30 p.m. at the Performing Arts Center on the Cal Poly campus. Under the direction of Thomas Davies, uh, the evening features the Hallelujah Chorus of Handel's Messiah, the Forbes Pipe Organ, and an audience sing-along of traditional carols with chorus and orchestra. It's a family tradition. Tickets are available online at packslow.org. And a reminder that the KCBX Community Calendar features arts, entertainment, and nonprofit events in San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, and southern Monterey counties. You could submit your item or event to be shared. You will find it on our calendar page right there on our website at kcbx.org, where Central Coast Voices continues in just a moment. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Next time on Latino USA, The Archivists, a special look into the people and one particular place that's devoted to preserving Latino history. One of those paternalistic ideas was what museums were doing, too, this sort of land grab mentality. We can take care of it better than the people in the country of creation. That's next time on Latino USA. On the next Fresh Air, comedian and actor Kenan Thompson. He's been an entertainer for most of his life, first on Nickelodeon shows like All That and Kenan and Kel, and then on Saturday Night Live, where he's been a cast member for 21 seasons. His new book, When I Was Your Age, takes us behind the curtain with stories about his life and career that he's never shared before. Join us. In the desert outside Scottsdale, Arizona, residents have hit something of a crossroads. Pay for water hauled in on trucks or find another way. You don't really think about how you use water on an everyday basis when it's just flowing from taps. I'm Kai Rizdal. The price of living in the desert next time on Marketplace. And that is ahead today on our Thursday here on KCBX. Latino USA comes your way at 2 with fresh air following at 3. Then it's a look at the markets on Marketplace at 4. Right now, let's return to Mario Espinoza-Kulik and his guests on Central Coast Voices. Back to you, Mario. Thanks, Brad. Welcome back, everyone. Today on Central Coast Voices, we're discussing the topics of public health and environmental health in celebration of their 100-year anniversary of the San Luis Obispo County Public Health Department. Our guests today from County of San Luis Obispo are Dr. Penny Bornstein, Health Officer and Public Health Director, Pete Haig, Director of Environmental Health Services. 
Our communities have benefited from the substantial advances of public health over the years, and this means that people tend to live longer and have better lives with mitigated risks of disease, illness, accidents, violence, and suffering compared to previous generations. However, these dynamics are complicated by persistent health inequities as well as resistance to public health initiatives. In this next section, I'd like to explore these topics with you both. Dr. Bornstein, how has the county worked over the years to partner with historically underserved groups in our area? Uh, I love that question because we have done it all through the ages um, by going to community meetings, by making our meetings available to the community. Uh, But we've really taken a shift in the past few years with COVID, especially in what we saw in terms of inequities uh, and Uh, both in terms of health outcomes and information. And so we've developed a health equity program. We've got three staff members in it. Um, I'm very excited about that. And so they really are out in the community now in a big way and bringing community members to the table in all of our discussions around public health. Yeah. I have um I've heard a lot about the of the work in, in health equity being done in San Francisco County and I'm wondering um is there are there any uh initiatives that they are planning or leading at this moment? Well, Mario, you know about one of them. Um you were uh one of the key players in our funding of an enumeration st- Uh, study around the Mixteco community, both to try to understand what the size of that community is, as well as what their health and public health issues are. So uh, that is one thing that we've undertaken. We've also made available for the Mixteco community uh, more services with respect to language interpretation. um, And and we've continued with but expanded our Spanish-speaking communities uh, outreach. We've been working with the Mexican consulate. Um, We've done a lot, again, around translation and brochures now in English and Spanish for everything that we do. So, um, yeah, we're trying to do better. Thanks for mentioning that. It's uh, really incredible um, the reach that public health can 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 serve in that regard to make folks feel more uh, welcome and provide relevant services for, to people, which I think um, is definitely uh, going well. And I I just saw that there was a Mixteco Health Navigator position um, being being recruited for. Um, and I've also learned about the the, the various ways that people um, work to to um, bring in public health information, not just within forms and flyers and things like that, but on social media and over the radio. And so I just wanted to, to acknowledge that work that is being done by your department. Thanks. How about you, Pete? Well, environmental health primarily regulates businesses, but we regulate all businesses, whether they are serving uh, economically advantaged or disadvantaged communities. Um, we bring these regulations to the businesses and request that they are applied equally throughout. Um, we will also address any complaints, whether it is from a disadvantaged community um, or folks that have disagreements with each other in more affluent areas. We try to bring equity in our approach to bringing the regulations into the community Mm. and hopefully making it a more livable, more protective area for everybody. Yeah, 
thank you for your service and keeping everyone safe, both of you. Um, that brings me to my next question about how the county public health department uh, works with prisons and jails. I think that's something that maybe the average listener might not be thinking about. Um, but if we could expand on 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 the work that the public health department and if if prisons and jails do they count, you know, as the public? Absolutely. Um, and again, during the COVID pandemic, we were in touch on a pretty much daily basis, um, because those are some of the most vulnerable settings for infectious disease spread. And we saw that there was an awful lot of COVID infection in those facilities. So we brought our expertise and our contact tracers and um, again, epidemiologists to the table in our working with them. On an ongoing basis, uh, particularly with the jail, which is a county facility, Public health used to provide the direct services. Now there's um, a private entity that provides those services, but public health still has a role in oversight. We do what's called a Title 15 inspection, comes out of state law, um, to make sure that the medical and mental health services, as well as nutrition um, and environmental health, Pete can speak to that, um, are, um, are followed according to the law. Um, with respect to the prison, um, we do have ongoing communication, but it's really in times when they have um, medical, um, particularly infectious disease outbreaks going on. Yeah, thank you. And Pete, do you want to add to that? Yeah, we hold um, the local jails and holding facilities to the same standards we would hold any other facility. Um, where expectation, Our expectation of them is that they're providing um, safe food to whoever is currently incarcerated for whatever length of time. Um, we also do have authority at the prison uh, on hazardous materials. So we will go and inspect them to make sure that they're handling and disposing of hazardous materials appropriately. Um, and we, we visit the local county and city holding facilities annually as well um, to make sure that they're addressing um, the requirements of keeping it safe and sanitary. That's awesome. Um, and and you touched on this point issue or this issue earlier, Pete, the issue of substandard housing. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, is wh- where 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 does that fall under the purview of the public health department? Is that something that is uh, is worked on by by you all? Um, we receive a lot of calls uh, from folks that um, are either in actual substandard housing or perceived substandard housing, uh, mold issues, especially last year after all the heavy rains that we had. Um, and we work with the folks. We we provide them resources, um, how to stay safe. Uh, mold can be a, a big problem, especially those who have uh, are susceptible to respiratory illnesses. Um, and we work with uh, local code enforcement too. Um, what people are seeing is the symptoms of something that needs to be addressed um, structurally with mm-hmm. the building. And we don't have the authority or the expertise to address that. Code enforcement might. Uh, and we certainly work with occupants um, if they're in a situation where they're renting and they don't have a very cooperative landowner uh, working with them. So we try to we try to leverage our position as, as almost like an advocate. But we also work with code enforcement to help address the, the, the fundamental issues, what's causing the problems with the substandard housing. Yeah. And where, how does um, homelessness or, or overcrowding fit into that um, issue of housing? 
So with respect to homelessness in the county, there is a new division of homeless services, which resides in the Department of Social Services. Uh, but we have members of both the Behavioral Health Department and the Public Health Department participating in the Homeless Services Outreach Council. And um, we bring forth public health issues, as does behavioral health brings forth uh, issues related to mental health and substance abuse because um, the homelessness issue really um, goes hand in hand with those uh those conditions. Um, it's more than that. Lots of people have a hard time affording housing in this community, in this county, and so we wind up with more homeless than, of course, anyone would like, um, and there are of all ilks. But um, So public health really does um, participate in the dialogue around what we can do as, as a county, as a community, um, in collaboration with many community organizations in addressing the homelessness issue. I appreciate you both sharing about how your um, how the public health department is responding to these health inequities within our county. Um, you mentioned, Dr. Bornstein, um, how health equity works within within the public health department, and I'm just wondering if there's any successes or anything that you're proud of um, of the work that the public health department's doing and to address health equity. Yeah, um, as I had mentioned, the. Translation for the Misteco community is relatively new for us. We've forever had um, Spanish translation available, and not just translation. We've had um, employees who speak Spanish, quite a few of them, especially in our clinical settings. Um, we now have our first Mixteco speaking employee. Um, he's wonderful and trying to be all things to all people without success because you can only spread one person so far. But um, I, I think that's an area that we really um, are, are proud of reaching out to some of the most vulnerable people. Um, and especially with healthcare, we, hear, we heard that through the study that you were involved in. Um, we um, know that to be the case that um, medical care is one of the hardest things for people to get their arms around when they don't speak the language. And um, in, in environmental health services, what would you say are the um, the like groundbreaking um, achievements that you've seen that your department you're proud of your department for doing? Right. Well, uh, an example I'd like to talk about is uh, regulations of underground storage tanks at gas stations specifically. Um, gone are the days where uh, a major intersection will have a gas station on all four corners. Um, we have moved from uh, the paradigm of leak response to leak prevention. Um, the local water board uh, maintains a website where you can see a list of historically or historical uh, leaking underground storage tanks. And I looked at it briefly before I came down here, and there's, there's over 100 closed cases here in Slow County. Um, we think environmental health has a big part in keeping it to the point where there are no new cases. Mm -hmm. um, there are very stringent regulations in California on how to put a tank underground and have it operate properly. And we go out every year to ensure that these tanks are still operating correctly. Um, a system is riddled with sensors now to detect leaks below ground, um, which is out of sight and out of mind, typically. Um, so I'm, I'm very pleased um, 
in Slow County, we get a lot of water out of the ground that we drink. Right? There's some surface impoundments, but mostly it's groundwater. Um, and leaking underground storage tanks can contaminate a huge amount of drinking water and be very expensive to remedy. So I'm very proud of the fact that we've gone um, and really taken that program almost um, during my tenure. It's kind of started before that, um, but moving it away from responding to things and preventing them. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And and uh, thank you for, for sharing more about like the, the, the initiatives from the decades-long work that the public health department has been doing for over 100 years or just 100 years. Um, I wanted to know, are any of those initiatives, we talk a lot about prevention, but are any of those, are we to be grateful to any of those initiatives that were started maybe in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s that are still saving people's lives today? So one that I would mention is having nurses go to homes to check on pregnant women and newborn babies. Um, we, we say that that actually started in the 90s because we gave it a name and we had funding for it. But I think for many years, uh, many decades before that, uh, it was a pretty routine thing to, to have that pro- postpartum check on the newborn baby uh, and make sure that they understood the best ways to take care of their baby. That's awesome. I'm Mario Espinosa Kulik with you for Central Coast Voices on KCBX, Central Coast Public Radio, your listener-supported radio station. If you recently joined us for today's Central Coast Voices and want to listen to the entire broadcast, you can. It will be available on our website at www.kcbx.org under the On Demand tab. Click on Central Coast Voices and you'll find the show and many others to choose from. You can also find us by searching Central Coast Voices wherever you get your podcasts. Our guests today are from the County of San Luis Obispo, Dr. Penny Bornstein, Health Officer and Public Health Director, and Pete Haig, Director of Environmental Health Services. To keep up with our guests and the work they're doing, you can find more information online and join the conversation on social media. You can find more information about the County Public Health Department by visiting www.slowcounty.gov and selecting the Health Agency Department page and navigating to Public Health, which includes information about the Environmental Health Services programs. On social media, the Public Health Department is on Facebook at Slow Public Health and on X, Instagram, and YouTube at Slow Public Health. You can also view public photos from the department on Flickr by searching on the, for the account Slow County Public Health Department. As well, you can call 805-781-5500 to get in touch with the County Public Health Department. As we near the end of our show today, we still have time for your email questions or comments at voices at kcbx.org. We would love to hear from you. Hello. I, I believe we have a comment or a question. So we're well we do have just one that came in just now and that one is Linda from Creston. Thank you. Hi, Willen. Hi, Linda. 
Hi, Linda. Can you hear me? Hi. Go ahead and, and please state your question. Oh, it seems that we have lost her. So let's keep on going with our show. Dr. Bornstein, what are some goals and ideas you have for the next 100 years of public health in San Luis Obispo County? Well, certainly continuing to engage our community, um, continuing with a lot of the wonderful programs that we have. I don't foresee us getting out of the business of some of the wonderful areas that we provide for the community, such as our public health laboratory that tests not only for infectious diseases, but works with environmental health uh, in testing for um, ocean water and some other um, uh, sea creatures. Um, uh, our, our nursing services, as I mentioned, continuing to visit homes. Um, I, one thing I'm very proud of that Pete didn't mention but uh, is available to the community in terms of information is all these websites that they developed over recent years that are just fantastic information sources. Eat Safe Slow is one of them. Ink Slow. Ink Safe, Ink safe Slow. slow. Mm-hmm. Surf Safe Slow. Okay. Swim Safe Slow. They're uh, GIS representations of the work we're doing in environmental health. Um, restaurant inspections are key to that. Uh, pool inspections for swim safe slow. Uh, the water quality at the beaches at uh, surf safe slow. Uh, all these links you could get to by typing in exactly that, eatsafeslow.org, or they're available on the Slow Environmental Health website. Wow. That sounds like uh, One incredible achievement for public health was the complete global eradication of smallpox. Mm. And it would be awfully nice if we can find other diseases that we could wipe off the face of the planet. We are very close uh, worldwide to doing so with polio, uh, but we can't let down our guard because all it takes is uh, travel Mm. for people to spread the disease. So that's something we're certainly going to keep our eye on is infectious diseases. Yeah. And in terms of the way that the public can um, keep that at bay or or prevent those diseases, what do you recommend for folks to improve our shared health and well-being? I'm a big proponent of vaccinations. I don't think that's a secret. (laughs) Um, If we think about the world at large, the Probably the two things that have brought life longevity extension are vaccinations and environmental health um, opportunities for clean water and safe food. Um, yeah, repeat your question. I, yeah, um, well, what, what can people be doing to improve our shared health mm-hmm. and well-being? Yeah, and then um, we do, as I mentioned, a whole lot of health education around, you know, how to how to bicycle safely, how to put your car seat for your baby in place, how to brush your teeth properly, how to avoid cigarette smoking, um, decreased weight gain, 
Um, so lots of this information, I always say it's not enough for us to provide education, but we have to also provide the means for people to make behavioral changes. That's probably the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. You could know forever that, um, eating chocolate is, um, not going to help your health, but, um, to actually make a change and maybe do it every third day instead of every day is, is a hard thing to do. What about your perspective, Pete? Well, as we come on to the holidays, um, I would like to encourage everyone to you know, be careful with their holiday gatherings. Um, I looked up some stats on the Center for Disease Control website. Uh, they estimate 48 million people get sick and 128,000 get hospitalized each year from foodborne illnesses. Mm -hmm. So just be careful as you're gathering in, in your homes to apply the same type of food safety practices that we look for in restaurants. Mm -hmm. um, the, those illnesses are not specific to just restaurant-borne um, or restaurant-originated illnesses, but also as the general public as a whole. Um, so just uh, apply that and keep that in, in mind. Look up the – if you're unsure of how you should – your internal temperature for your turkey should be. Please look it up and play it safe and, and have a, a healthy and safe holiday with you and your loved ones. Thank you for that. Many of our listeners are also leaders in their communities with throughout their jobs or on social networks and community-based organizations. So if there's anything, um, is there anything that these groups can be doing to make an impact in this area of public health or environmental health? Well, this is a stretch probably, but... Um, Having one's young children well cared for is part of the public health paradigm. And um, I know that childcare is very expensive and difficult to access in this community. So one project that's been taking place from First Five Initiative as well as the Chamber of Commerce and the county is to develop family-friendly workplaces that can bring about some change or improvement in the child care access and situation. Yeah. How about you, Pete? Well, we welcome engagement from the community, whether it's um, organizations or businesses. Um, again, we, we, excuse me, we primarily regulate businesses, um, and these regulations originate at the state level. Um, but that said, um, we think the local community and businesses as well can have a stake at that table in developing reasonable regulations um, and can help foster uh, a healthy community and an economically vibrant community as well too. Uh, but until that happens, then we are saddled with these regulations and we all have to comply with them the way they're written. Understood. I want to turn it on. And turn it over to both of you now to see if there's anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to add to. So, Pete, is there anything else you want to include or emphasize? Um, well, just the, the dedication of the folks that I've worked with. Uh, I've been very impressed with it. Um, there's uh, an undeserved reputation of, of, of government workers, um, but every last one of them that I've met um, have been very dedicated to do their job. And I have a deep appreciation of that, especially the folks in public health, because they really take uh, public service to heart. And uh, I'm very appreciative of that. Me too. Dr. Bornstein, any closing thoughts? I just want to reiterate for the listening public that 
public health is more than, say, food and shots. Um, if you haven't heard it yet, um, we do quite a diverse array of programs and services for the community, and we engage with the community. And so if I could leave folks with any one thing is to be in touch with us if you have any questions. Um, if we don't know the answers, we can get you to people who might be engaged in that in the county or elsewhere. We really are um, collectively a font of information and, and, as I said, this wide array of services. Yeah. And I want to thank you both again for being here with us on Central Coast Voices. Uh, um, just the work that you do in our community for keeping people safe, letting people be aware of, of what they can be doing to to keep our community safe, their families safe, especially as we near the holidays and um, how the way that disease works in terms of transmissibility, uh, seeing loved ones. Um, just awesome. Thank you. And your whole team. I mean, there's there's... I think there are roles that are, um, are played in the public health department that aren't as pronounced as, as the ones we're talking to about today. Um, but I just want to s- extend uh, uh, another um, uh, appreciation to all of your, your staff um, in the public health department. Thank you. It's great being here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thank you. To keep up with our guests and the work that they're doing, you can find more information online and join the conversation on social media. As I mentioned before, you can go to the County Public Health Department website at www.slowcounty.gov and select the Health Agency Department page and navigate to Public Health, which includes information about the Environmental Health Services programs. They're also on social media on Facebook at Slow Public Health, X, Instagram, and YouTube at Slow Public Health, and you can view photos from the department on their Flickr account at Slow County Public Health Department. Please also note this phone number for any health, um, public health concerns you may have or any questions you might have following this show. It's 805-781-5500. You can get in touch with the County Public Health Department there. We hope you will also join us next time on Central Coast Voices for our show on Thursday, December 14th at 1 p.m. with host Fred Monroe to continue the dialogue on topics that impact our communities. Central Coast Voices has been sponsored by Action for Healthy Communities and the San Luis Obispo Community Foundation in collaboration with KCBX. We also depend on listener support, so please consider making a donation today or become a member with your monthly donation at www.kcbx.org. I'm your host, Mario Spinoza Kulik, and thank you for joining us today.